and from Bruce Parley, Incorporated, specializing in custom-built staircases and also fine finished carpentry on yachts, trolleys, etc. since 1998, in Trenton at 479-4269 or brparley at gmail.com. Clifton Chenier and his Zodico Ramblers are just one of the many artists queued up for Tuesday nights on Community Radio. From the Latin Kings to the Boppin' Bayou, it's all here on Southern Wind. Join me, Rick Pamilia, every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m. for Southern Wind here on your community radio station, WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill. Et toi! Hey, everything south of here... Boat Talk is brought to you in part by Captain Yo's Flaming Fish Performance Models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net, little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. It's 55 degrees here in East Orland at WERU-FM. And a quick note, main vigils for victims of the Pulse Orlando mass shooting. This uh, listing is compiled by Rossi, the Resources for Organizing and Social Changes tonight. 614, Belfast, 7 p.m., Steamboat Landing, Waterville, 630 at Veterans Memorial Park. That's in Waterville at 630, Veterans Memorial Park in Belfast, Steamboat Landing at 7 p.m. Stay tuned for Boat Talk. Good morning. Good morning. It's the second Tuesday of the month, 10 o'clock in the morning here at Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill. Time for Boat Talk here. Our community radio uh, call-in show for people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Boat Talk is uh, WER's program that's been um, declared most fit to be tied. We're going to be talking with... Several people today about all kinds of sort of stuff. We're going to start out, I guess, Mike, with a little bit of a current events. I have a couple of things to talk about, but you can step up first. I was hoping you would. Oh, I, I, and and we should uh, mention we should mention we got quite quite a crowd here. It's as crowded as it's ever yeah, been yeah, at the boat talk a table. Full house. Yeah, and uh, anybody is welcome to speak up at about any time. Uh, Want to go around clockwise for me, maybe? Sure. Uh, okay, we'll do the uh, the intros we have from the uh, Belfast Rotary Club. We're going to be talking about a boat building contest in a little bit. Rob Dwelly and Bob Adler, welcome, gentlemen. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning. Thank you. And glad to have back our uh, occasional 
color commentator, Giffy Full. <laughs> Welcome back, Giffy. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. So, so anyway, what are you thinking about this morning? Uh, I got a couple of things we can mention, but nothing Okay, one profound. thing that just came across my eyes a couple of days ago, uh, uh, headlines uh, reads that Noah's Ark crashes into the Coast Guard vessel. Remember probably about six or eight years ago, Mike, we talked about uh, a fellow in Amsterdam who was building Noah's Ark on a whole bunch of rafts that he had uh, bolted together. Is this a apocalyptical, Alan? Uh, Are we talking about the end of the actual <laughs> world here, or, or just a... I think it's been delayed. All right. Yeah. A dystopian uh, beginning to this show, huh? Is, is there any danger in this boat building uh, story? Uh, where could be some danger for the animals on board. All right. The boat uh, was originally built, as I said, in Holland, uh, right um, along the docks of a, a neighborhood. And the neighbors, uh, when they saw this boat that's so probably 200 and some feet long, I don't know if I have it here, 230 feet long, uh, four to five stories tall, but was blocking the view of all these people who had their uh, waterfront condominiums. So he became uh, somewhat unwanted and has been drifting around, as it were. Was he towed to uh, do a, a gig in Norway, and uh, somehow they lost control of the tow, and it ran into a moored uh, Norway uh, Coast Guard vessel, damaging both. <laughs> no animals were hurt. <laughs> um, not in my backyard. It's uh, doesn't it sound a little bit shades of, of raw faith, sort of uh, becoming a, a <laughs> pariah in a, in a harbor. Well, there you go. And some of our guests are chuckling quietly to themselves because they know what raw faith is. We yeah. should, uh, for people that don't know, we define our terms every once in a while here. Was watching Bill Green's Maine on TV years ago and saw people uh, building a homemade. Uh, quote, galleon with a nail gun. And I said, you can't build a boat with a nail gun, and went down to Addison and checked him out, and that was raw faith. A call to God. Uh, George uh, built this boat uh, to uh, uh, help handicap people. It didn't all turn out that way. The boat's gone. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. George didn't end up uh, too happy either. And So anyway, raw faith. Uh, boat. But here's the, here's the thing I'm trying to get to. We couch a lot of stuff on boat talk in terms of dreams. Boats and dreams, you know. I mean, if you don't call them dreams, you'd have to be more harsh uh, with your wording. Could now, be a nightmare. Now, wouldn't you? So, dreams is a charitable way of, of uh, and dreams they are. So, yeah, this guy apparently had one of them uh, kind of raw faith kind of dreams of possibly not working out because it's uh, not an easy thing to build or take care of a boat, let alone... Uh, Biblical dreams. I mean, let's add compl complexity to it and try to save two of every animal on Earth. Just for, you know, uh, nautical challenges, let alone others. Hey, uh, speaking of, of uh, critters, um, from the Ellsworth American, the Elver season ended, and they uh, took 13, almost $13.5 million worth of Elvers this year, which I believe makes that uh, um, certainly one of the high-value second uh, or third high-value fishery in the state of Maine. Yeah, it's not just Maine. It's all the way from the Carolinas up into Canada. Well, no. The uh, As a matter of fact, the Elvers uh, come from Carolinas all the way up to Canada, but not everybody is allowed to catch them like they are here. Oh. And uh, we have a $13.5 million fishery that is mostly cash-based. And these things were selling for like uh, $1,400 a pound average, Phew. more or less, you know. And... Uh, 
The other thing I find kind of interesting, I've been checking it out. We talked to a fellow last month on Boat Talk about alewives. Yes, we did. Yeah. From the... Scudic Institute, Scudic wasn't Institute, Yeah. Right. I, uh, driving home one day, following the Ellsworth alewife truck. It's a uh, swimming pool on a flatbed trailer that they trap alewives above the marina in Ellsworth, and he trucks them up to Graham Lake and oh. uh, dumps them off. Now, I followed him up there one time, watched him dump off several hundred alewives from this uh, uh, pool on his trailer there and asked him, how many times a day do you do this? 20 to 25 times oh a day. Gosh. He does it all day long. Mm. The net fills itself up constantly. And why is he doing that? Well, it's nice to save the alewives, but after he trucks a certain amount for a certain time, the rest he keeps his lobster bait and gets to sell them. Huh. Yeah. But he is trucking alewives all day, every day. The net fills itself well, constantly. That's because that? he can't get up over yeah, the dam. They got nowhere to go, but there's a lot of them, and they want yeah. to go now, don't yeah. they? Yeah. And part of the ecosystem uh, food chain, very important. <laughs> there's yeah. many, many... They tell me small streams, small seasonal streams that have been blocked off that they can't go up anymore. That's the issue they're having right now with uh, the dam in Orland. Yeah. They're, well, there's ways around that. that, and they're just not very practical about it. You can put lift gates in them and all kinds of things. And we can catch them in a net and, and uh, put them in a no, swimming they pool just and drive them down the road, too, but it's kind like of inconvenient. A, a big, big box. And when it gets full of fish, it cranks up and opens a gate, and up they go. Yeah. They do that on the West Coast. You can do it here. And it is complicated in the town of Orland, where we sit right now. They're uh, talking about the town has just assumed responsibility for the old dam. Now the fish can't get up it. Uh, the dam needs to be maintained. Uh, that's all costs money and is trouble. And who's going to pay for that? But the waterscape will change if they change the dam. Right. That gets people with real estate very interested, mm -hmm. if not in my backyard, upset. So, you know, very complicated. So, where else are we this morning? Well, I have one uh, one of the favorite subjects of uh, uh, boaters. Um, that's beer. Uh, got my we, attention. We, we've, all, we've all seen pictures of uh, the animals that get caught in those six-pack rings, you know, turtles and seabirds and stuff that get tangled up in six-pack rings. There is a brewery in um, Delray, Florida, that is using the byproduct of their beer-making process. I assume it's mostly just uh, spent barley seeds that they grind up and reprocess into making biodegradable six-pack rings. So when these yeah. go in the water, not only are, do they break down to small pieces, they're actually uh, somewhat edible. They have a video at their website, which is saltwaterbrewery.com, of a sea turtles eating these six-pack rings. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, they, they need to do specific things about some of these elements that get into the, plastic particularly and water. the ocean. I, for years, if I see a plastic bag in the water, I, I pick it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pick it up. Uh, One of the things that I see most uh, offshore now is the disposable diapers and styrofoam cups. You know, there's... Yeah. yeah. Just uh, went to New York by water and, once again, stunned by the amount of trash out there. And, yeah. once again, always see those Mylar balloons 
that yeah. they sell a happy birthday, uh, you know, congratulations yeah. for this, that, and the other, and they yeah. fly away and they float. And uh, I don't they, like to see that. They look thing. like jellyfish. Out right? in the Gulf of Maine, uh, well, we see them inflated and they shine in the sunlight. And seen float. them all over. Yeah. You know what? You know what eats you jellyfish too? Sea turtles. Uh, we were told whales, but uh, you know we're still up in the air about that one well, too. So they, they're finding um, balloons in in uh, dying sea turtles and dead yeah. sea turtles. The uh, oh, world is mostly ocean, and again, everything's uh, uh, kind of a dump when you need to get rid of something, and a lot of it turns up uh, on the bottom of the ocean, but floating around too, and in critters, not good. <clears throat> Giffy. Um, May I change the subject? Sure. Oh, Jesus. Because it relates somewhat, somewhat to these gentlemen. Uh, I'll try to be brief about it. Uh, seven or eight years ago, I was out on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Uh, and I was invited to go aboard a trawler yacht for a little run. And uh, I went down this building out there the they have these big storage buildings that are in float in the water and they just people store their boats in them big boats and small but anyhow make a long story short i went aboard this very attractive trawler and they were waiting for us as soon as we got on the boat they backed her out of the building and took off very traditional single screw big trawler. Well, it's a nice looking boat, and I get on a boat like that, I got to go around and look it over, which I did pretty quickly. And she was a very nice boat. Finally, I went in the pilot house, and the owner was running the boat, and and I asked him, "Who built this boat?" And he said, "I did." Uh, it's some big project. He was around 50-odd feet, and uh, handsome boat, a lot of detail in her, a lot of accommodations, a nice engine room, everything. I said, well, how did you build this boat alone? He said, I didn't build her alone. I built her with school kids. I said, what? You built her with school kids? Yeah. He said, I had between six and eight kids that were on the verge of getting into trouble in school. They didn't have any interest in sports or other activities, so I started a boat building project, and these kids came and worked every Saturday. And it, we worked one night a week and sometimes Sunday afternoon for nine years. Of course, the children change. The kids are always changing. But I said, I just can't believe you built this boat with school kids. Well, I did. He said, uh, the first piece of wood I gave them wasn't any good anyhow, and they'd wreck that. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave them a drawing of what I wanted. And then a little later, I'd give them another piece of lumber that was better, not good enough to use in the boat, but better. <laughs> And that piece would come out quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. And finally, the third piece came out, and it was first class, and it went into the boat. This went on for nine years. And I thought to myself, what, what a wonderful thing to do. They gave these kids a different type of education. They gave them uh, a hands-on 
ability that'll stay with them all their life. And I thought it was just a wonderful thing to do. Well, I came back home here. One of the things to back up a second was I still thought it was a far-fetched story, so I went and asked Bill Garden, our host, who was a very famous naval architect. I said, Bill, is that story included? Did he build that boat with school kids? Yes, he did. Hmm. Yes, he did. I mean, everything was well done in that boat. And I came home uh, with the great idea I was going to find somebody to write about this man and what he accomplished with these children. The disappointing thing was I couldn't find anybody interested. Hmm. Couldn't well, find anybody interested. It was unbelievable to me. We'll, we'll throw that out to uh, writers out there. We still might be able to... That would be a great one with pictures also. Do you have yeah. any pictures from that? I, I don't. I don't. We could I probably get some. They're obtainable. So not only did he end up with a, white, uh, a, a nice boat when he was done, he turned some lives around, too. You said those were some of those kids were uh, headed in the wrong direction when they started? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it was just a wonderful thing to do with young people. Yeah. Because uh, I had that kind of problem when I was a youngster. I, didn't, I really wasn't interested in sports. I spent all my time over in the big yacht yard near my home. I was over there every day, in the yard or on some boat, you know. You ain't so, been right since. That never been right since. <laughs> yeah. My parents couldn't do anything with me. I was just impossible. <laughs> That's a story of patience. Reminds me of uh, something my dad told me. I had a cast on. I couldn't move my wrists, and that freaked me out. I had tools ready to go in case I needed to move my wrists. And, and how do you get through that? Well, a minute at a time. Yeah. And the attention to detail. Um, how do you build a boat? It's very difficult. It's kind of complicated, but one piece at a time, uh, years, 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 and, and pretty soon you got a boat. And anybody, but even kids, can do that, um, yeah, let alone, which but, we'll talk more about this morning. Why aren't there better opportunities for education for kids, young people that don't have the normal desires that Apparently, oh. are required today. Uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And again, uh, just down in New York uh, on a boat delivery, met a fellow down there uh, doing a security detail. He turned out to be a, a vocational tech teacher who uh, builds boats with his kids now. They built like a dozen. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk to them in a little while. Yeah. And again, uh, you can't build a boat by sliding the screen with a smartphone. Uh, I guess you could get information that way, but you still got to. I think Greg Russell is, is doing some of that yeah. down, yeah. down in. Uh, we need to talk with Greg. Yeah. Um, real, real quick, we got to mention this, too. It's springtime. Uh, life jackets. Uh, I believe the wardens were making the point that they hardly ever uh, rescue a dead body with a life jacket on it. And, uh, you know, it's your biggest chance to uh, act prudently around the water. Having said that, I never wear one myself. Um, I have a plan to uh, swim away, personally. I, I can't fly, but I swim yeah. like a fish. Um I work on the water. Um, again, I, I say this a little tongue-in-cheek and self-critically, but uh, we should all be wearing our life jackets well, around I, the water. I, so. I got a little example of that. Two nights ago, it was pretty choppy, rough, and blowing down in Brooklyn. My boat, my my boat was on the float. I was taking her in there to fill up the water tanks and flush them out. 
And I, around 4 o'clock, I was going to put her back on the mooring. Well, believe it or not, it was so miserable down there. As far as moving a boat goes, I didn't do it. But I needed to have her off, the, off their float by Monday morning. So I said, well, I'll go down around 7 o'clock. The wind will have dropped up. I went down. It, it had dropped some, but not enough. So I, I said, well, I guess I got to do it anyhow. Well, the first thing I did is I put on my life jacket. Giffy, are you there by yourself to start with? Yeah. It's a uh, lobster-type boat, yeah. uh, 30-something feet long. Yeah. Um, you can drive her, no doubt, but somebody's got to untie the, the lines while somebody's got to... Oh, I got them. Mother Nature helps with that, yeah. you know. But I got out there, and I had my hands full putting that boat on the morn. Most people do to begin with. And I said, this is stupid. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's describe putting it on a mooring. You're, you're in the wind, so you're coming up into the wind, approaching your yeah. mooring. Yeah, and of and course, you, by the time I got up, you know, so I could pick the pennants right out of my pea pod. Alongside rather than at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I, 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 I went far up so that the pea pod was right abreast of the cockpit, and I reached over and I grabbed those pennants quick and and there's no there's no rails on that boat. When you walk up there, you're you're on your own except maybe one hand hanging on. I get up there and the bow had already blown off, but I was just <laughs> lucky enough to have strength enough to haul her back a little bit and get one pennant on a cleat. Once I got one on, I had it. But I said to myself, "You're getting too old to do this stupid yeah. stuff." Well, not too old to keep learning, though, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had his life jacket on. On so a good day, that. yes. You yeah. might fail the final exam. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, dropped a fender overboard the other day coming into the Cape Cod Canal, and as I told my buddy, if we don't, if I don't, he says, uh, no, be careful you don't fall over. When you, I says, if, if I don't snag this thing, I'm, I'm going over and swimming away out of embarrassment. So, you know, and again, uh, wear your life jackets is the uh, little yeah. idea we're sharing today. All right, where else are we this morning? We're doing Boat Talk. It is uh, allegedly a call-in radio program. We get all kinds of people yeah. here this morning. I think we should get to our guests. We have a, yeah. At some yeah. point, we need to talk about the Boat Talk cruise, too, but that we can talk uh, about that anytime. Plenty of time for that, yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's get to our guests who are here uh, representing the Belfast Rotary Club who are putting on the, uh, the Belfast... Um, Harbor Day? Harbor Fest. Harbor Fest. And, and as part of the Harbor Fest, there's going to be a boat building contest. We'll uh, speak with uh, Rob Dwelly and Bob Adler. Um, Rob, I guess you are the, the fount of knowledge for this contest. Why don't you go ahead and describe just what it's going to be and when? Well, it's always important to give, due, give credit where credit's due. So we have to honor the fact that John Hansen was the first one to come up with this idea back in 81 when he tried to figure out a way that he needed to entice Seeker to become an advertiser, and he said, look, you advertise, and I'll put this boat building thing together. So the insanity started in 81 with the Seeker challenge, and uh, over the years, we've all been and seen the, the down and dirties. This is not a down and dirty. This is a contest that builds a 12-foot skiff um, with materials that are supplied off of a set of plans that everybody has. Um, and not only is it determined by how fast you do it, it's also determined by um, a panel of judges how well you do it. So mm -hmm. it's one-third of it is quality, one-third of it is speed, and then we actually put the 
boats in the water, and we discover how many people don't know how to row boats. Um, it's <laughs> yeah. phenomenal how year after year nobody practices a part that actually weighs a third, but um, it provides great public entertainment and an opportunity for public humiliation. Rob, um, let me uh, yeah. cut in just for a yeah. quick second. I'm sure people might uh, be interested in this and are going to have some questions, too. So I'm going to throw out the phone number first for people yeah. who would like to call. That's one 9378 Rob, you mentioned... Uh, uh, down and dirty and not practicing rowing in there. You got all my buttons punched. Um, I participated in this contest in Southwest Harbor years ago. Was literally the world's second fastest boat builder for a few minutes. Congratulations. My buddy, uh, uh, my buddy couldn't. He's a professional boat builder. He can't row. Um, and we, uh. we, he dropped an <laughs> oar. I mean, we, we got massacred in the rowing part of the race. Would have been, we would have won the race otherwise. Yeah. I, I dropped um, an oar in that same race, too. Yeah. They, they were pretty crude oars. You had to make your own oars. Still too. have to make your own oars. Yeah. We were two professional boat builders uh, competing uh, with other professional boat builders. And, again, the world challenge uh, nowadays is uh, professionals who build this thing in literally part of an hour, correctly? Well, the, the world record sits at an hour and 45 minutes right now for, right. for a 12-foot skip. It's actually um, The record is actually owned by a shop teacher out of um, Beaufort, North Carolina. Yeah. Um, who actually came up here and uh, wanted to make sure last summer that the fastest boat builder in Maine was from North Carolina. Um, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. I need to say I need to say that on air. And he's also coming back this year and, and fully intends to make sure that the fastest boat builder right. in Maine uh, we'll um, is from North Carolina. Although he is looking for a partner. Um, he may be taunted back then. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and I would hope uh, that that happens. Um, I've never worked so hard for for a couple hours and had so much fun in my life. I mean, it was great. It, it really was. It is. It is gratifying. I, yeah. I have to say, you know, my wife said, you know, how do you how do you start this? And and one year I was in, I was in Newport and somebody's partner didn't get there and somebody said, you know, well, you want to do that? And I said, yep. I sort of got forced into it and um, it's been downhill or uphill depending on how you want to look at it. Ever since then. Now this one at the Belfast Harbor Fest, this is not professional boat builders uh, going just as fast as they can and trying to build nope. a world record. Uh, who is going to be competing building these boats? Well, I, there's two sort of groups of people that that sort of compete in this. One is one are boat builders, um, which is always wonderful to watch. Um, you also get the element of of house carpenters, cabinet makers. Um, Sort of a mix of both. We in in the um, Beaufort, North Carolina competition. It's sort of morphed over the years and now includes high schools, community college um, students, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts. Um, it's an amazing how broad, you know, how widespread that um, that event has 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 come. We have a phone call, so yeah, let, let's, let's let her go to that and see what's happening. Good morning. Welcome to Boat Talk. Hey, hi. This is Chuck. Uh, I'm on the Sea Princess. And uh, you got Giffy there? Yes, we hear you fine. Is Giffy full there? Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yes. yes. So I wonder if he has any documentation for the for the Sea Princess model, uh, the boats that were built. I'm, I'm putting up on the net the pictures Red took, the master builder. And I wonder if he has uh, any documentation of the boats that were built uh, beyond his, which I think is the Queen and the Queen Three. Yes, yes. We, my brother and I, had two of those boats built. Yeah. You, you designed the boat, basically. Uh, I helped design it. I, I did the initial. You, the, you, you have to start with an idea of what you want. Yeah. Well, you did all yeah. the work, and then an architect and I, signed it. I, I can draft things, so I, I, I drew up 
an outboard profile and a layout, and uh, and then you know, which I could have gone ahead and built a boat, but that's pretty dangerous thing to do. And <laughs> I, I know you had Miles Fitch draw. Yeah, it up. Miles Fitch, and I was friendly with him, and he's a very competent man, and he he just took my ideas and all our, our information from both myself and my brother, and. He designed us a beautiful boat, and the, the nice part of it is that we met we met with wonderful people who built the boat, and then my brother and I had to work with them because the part of the contract was that I we had to do all the machinery and electrical, and yeah. and uh, that we did for the, both boats. But there was wound up to be seven of those boats built. And it was kind of shocking when we had the first boat built because it was a kind of a financial undertaking for a family. And and the boat, we hadn't had the boat home more than a few days, and a lady from New Hampshire called up and said, I want to come and see your boat. Can I come and see it? Yeah, sure. Came right down the next day with her son-in-law, comes aboard the boat and falls in love with it. And she said... I want three of these boats. Three. <laughs> and she built she had three built. Why three? Cuz she had a she had a passenger boat operation yeah. on the Hampton Beach and she needed new boats. Who built those three? Yeah. Who built those three? Oh, all the same people. Yeah. Red McAllister Red. was the he builder. Made, he made all seven. Yeah, and yeah. and Clarence Beal. And they were the two main guys, and they had other help, but it was just, it was, all thing was a wonderful experience, just wonderful. Just, you could, I couldn't have had better people. And if you want to see what we're talking about, Sea Princess is the boat we're uh, being uh, lent for the Boat Talk cruise on June yeah. 25th, Saturday night. Yeah. We'll talk more about that at the end of the program when we get... Other business out of the way here, but Sea Princess is and the, the performance uh, of the boat. She's incredible. Yeah, she boat. slips through the water very nicely. Yes. I used no to fuss in the Chuck. water. Carry a full load of people. Doing ten knots. No fuss. Yeah, no we'll brag Sea Princess up more at the end of the program. Well, try to sell a couple of tickets for the let's, cruise. Let's, and, let's entertain our friends here. It takes pretty good care of itself, uh, uh, the cruise does. Now, the Belfast uh, Festival, uh, must say, the Belfast Harbor has become quite an asset um, to the town of Belfast. The the waterfront is very well uh, set up and run by Kathy Messier, the harbor master. The Front Street Shipyard has been uh, uh, coming on strong and been nothing but a huge asset to the town of Belfast. A huge asset. Yeah. Um, dramatic change. And... Uh, for instance, in uh, back in May, we interviewed some English people, uh, Mick Flanagan from the uh, uh, boat Hannah. They winter here occasionally. They don't have to. They like Belfast, beautiful little town at the end of the dock. And they could get coal is why they came originally. They don't need coal anymore. They still come, you know. And the uh, Harbor Festival, again, uh, good for you guys. Well, it's, it's, nice to get, it's nice to get people down to that harbor. And I think one of the really 
fantastic things that uh, Duke Marston has done as he heads up the uh, the festival. He's really made it a festival. Um, it's you know a boat building comp the boat building competition is part of it. Um, but there's a lot of different elements, and there's good music, there's good food, there's great camaraderie, there's a lot of boats to look at. Kids' activities. Uh, lots of kids' activities, you know, an event the night before, the night of. It's just, it's really a festival. It's in its early stages and is only going to get better, and it's only going to bring more people to the water in, in Belfast over, over time. I, I can't say enough. Uh, I'm not a Rotarian. I sort of come in from the outside and help, and I can't say enough about the effort and the energy that's being put in by the Rotary Club and headed up by Duke. Um, when's this happening exactly? August 20th. And how can anybody else check up on it? There are a few different ways. Um, got to be a website. You know how it is. We've got website. We've got Facebook. And we even have YouTube. Um, BelfastHarborFest.com is the website. And um, that's a spot where you can read about the competition um, and find an application form. And the rules of the road. We, we, we like to keep the rules simple, but we had to make up some rules, even though Rob likes to laugh at the rules. Um, we have a, a phone call, so let's um, put that on hold and go, go to Nick, who is calling from New Jersey, I believe. Mike, you, you, you met Nick. Why don't you do um, the intros? Yeah, we're a guest ahead, I guess. But uh, uh, Nick Zara, are you on the phone there? Yes, I am, guys. How are you? Nick, we're uh, talking about uh, kids and boat building, among other things, this morning, and I run into you on the dock down at Liberty Landing in Jersey City, right across from the uh, foot of Manhattan right. there. Correct. You were doing a security detail. We're, of course, surrounded by boats, and, and you're a vocational ed teacher. Uh, you're building boats nowadays. Um, why did you uh, start building boats, Nick? Well, just uh, first of all, thank you guys very much for having me on. Um, it was a pleasure meeting you that day and talking about boats, and I was very impressed with the one that you had made. Very nice. Um, pretty much we wound up getting in touch with this uh, company called Project USE, and they're sponsored by PSE&G, and they Don't know. Around. Who's a PSE&G? PSE&G is a, is a big electrical supplier in the Jersey area. Okay, yeah. So public service, like, electric, and gas. There you go. Right. Yeah. I'm an ex-New Jersey guy. Gas. Correct. There you go. They help fund this uh, project, and they usually work with grammar schools, going into grammar schools, and building a very simple, basic canoe-type boat. But when they hooked up with me, I, I forget exactly where we met, but when they hooked up with me, and they realized that I was teaching a full-blown carpentry class at a, voca at a vocational school. Um, when they found that out, they wanted to do a better boat, like something more challenging. So our very first boat was like a you know, 12, 14-foot, little bigger than a canoe-type boat, a little nicer. And then we've been doing it for five years, but this past year we created a real masterpiece which was a 16 foot acorn skiff acorn skiff which was real nice um i'd love to get you guys some pictures of it if i can but anyway they come in once a week once or twice a week and they work with the kids as well as me and they go over the plans and the blueprints and they teach the kids you know pretty much the art of boat building because we're doing more carpentry and dealing with homes and 
sheetrocking and tiling and spackling and plumbing and electrical, but this was something really not related to the course. So we brought it in, and we're one of the only high schools in New Jersey that are actually doing that. So it was really, really nice. To, the rest, like I said, are grammar schools. So when we actually go to the event, the day we launched the boats in the river, you know, there's all some basic boats. You could tell they were done by grammar school kids, and then we, we come out with this really nice boat, which is expected from us. But it was it, it's nice, and the kids really look forward to it. They love getting in the boat and actually floating it, and, you know, it's a nice day. So... I got to see some pictures of, of uh, some boats that you built. I was fairly impressed. Uh, hopefully you can yeah, share them with you. the uh, Boat Talk uh, uh, Facebook page, Alan. Uh, yeah. That would be Alan's department more than mine. But anyway, uh, one of these boats I saw, you used a, uh, some fancy African hardwood there. It was, it was uh, again, a above-average uh, um, uh, skiff, I would say. Um, the kids oh, used... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the kids obviously uh, enjoy doing this. They get to row the thing. How do the boats get used afterwards, Nick? Yeah, we do, we launch them at a place called Riverside Park, which is a river that runs, you know, in between New York and New Jersey, so to speak. It's a large body of water, and we dump it in at the boat ramp, and they have oars. We put the oar locks on it and everything. They have a set of oars, and they take turns rowing it. And, yeah, you know, with the life vests and everything else, they had the county police in the boat there watching us, you know, just for safety precautions. And it's a a nice day, you know. And last year we built a sailboat, which actually had a sail and everything. And that was a little different because they had to incorporate the wind into their technique. And it it was nice. So uh, if I can get you guys pictures of these boats, I'll I'll send them, you know, through the email and all that. And I'll, I'll try to get you a couple of different boats. I have them on my phone, so... Shouldn't really be a problem. I'll try to get you pictures of all of them. Great. Uh, Nick, did you make the sale also? We did not make the sale. They provided the sale, but the, we had to make the mount that the sale went into. Mm-hmm. So the only thing we did not build on that boat was the actual sale. But uh, from what I understand, this year's boat, though, cost close to three, dollars $4,000 to actually build in material and time, you know, time, effort, and all that. So we do appreciate, you know, PSE&G funding this because it doesn't cost our school anything, which is nice because they come in and assist us with this. So it's, it's, it's nice. fun. Nick, as a teacher, um, you know, it's all about inspiring kids and, uh, um, you know, figuring out how to, uh, what sticks to them, you know, and, we like to ask on Boat Talk, we call it the uh, Boat Talk question, the same question to everybody. What happened to you when you were young messed you up about boats? And I'm thinking there's a couple of kids who'll say, well, I built a boat in Mr. Zara's uh, shop class, and then we went and sailed it in the Hudson River. And, and again, I've never right. been, you know. Um, again, experience is something that is uh, profound for kids, and, and giving them a different one with a boat's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? Well, yes, it's very, very cool, especially with our kids here. Most of them are not exposed to ever owning a boat or even sailing a boat or even going out on a boat because, you know, we have a lot of inner-city kids who don't really have that privilege of ever being on a boat. And and it's nice that they, you know, for the first time, you know, they were actually doing it themselves, and it was nice. And we had a it was, it's always a good day, and, you know, it's nice for them to always try something different because, like I said, it's an inner-city area environment, so it's a little bit different. And they don't really get to see a lot or do a lot, so anytime we 
get to do something with them. It's always a privilege. Yeah, once you know. again, we have to remember, I met Nick down on the dock at uh, Liberty Landing Correct. in Jersey City. And I had come by boat, of course. My my perspective is quite skewed on being uh, right next to Manhattan because, again, it was a different uh, gig driving back than it was coming by land. And uh, the urbanness of the environment cannot be overstressed. We have uh, Captain Yo on the phone, so let's let's go quickly to Captain Yo before we come back. Good morning, Yo. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, I had a technical question. I thought I'd take advantage of this opportunity to uh, address so much talent. Uh, it's that time of year again, of course, and uh, I am seeking a second opinion on these new water-based bottom paints, both in terms of their uh, toxicity in the shop while you're applying them and their effectiveness as a bottom coating. And just as an aside, I I'm wondering... What are we supposed to do with the with the rinse water? Thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thank you, Yo uh, Giffy. Well, all I can tell you about that is that the fishermen that have good boats keep their boats up. Uh, apparently, love using that the, the, the new water-based water-based paint and. I hate to admit it, but I, I think I used it by mistake. I got the wrong can. <laughs> and this year? And it looked like what I always used, so I used it. <laughs> now, let's, uh, uh, Nick, you still on the phone there down in Jersey? Yeah, so I'm here. Nick, we're boat building. We're using all kinds of uh, interesting glues and paints and, and uh, chemicals and stuff. Uh, right. Um, how do you uh, work with the kids with that stuff? Well, what we on all the boats that we have built, we use an epoxy. We screw it together, epoxy everything, screw it together, which they use masks and gloves and everything, you know, for safety precautions, safety eyewear and all that. But um, we use an epoxy, and after the epoxy dries, we remove all the screws and then fill in the holes with an epoxy. As far as the bottom paint, we don't use any bottom paint. We're just coating the entire... Um, vessel with a polyurethane-based product, and you know, we're, because it's not staying in the water, so we're not really using a bottom paint, so to speak. So that's pretty much the chemical usage we have would be a polyurethane and an epoxy is really all we're using as far as chemicals. And and the point being, in a boat building project, there is a lot of chemistry involved. Um, I just uh, did a bottom job where I uh, sealed a uh, lobster-type uh, boat with a epoxy barrier coat. Now, you've got to wear a respirator when you do that. Nobody's breathing anywhere near that stuff. But the day I went to put on the, the bottom paint, uh, regular Micron uh, uh, Interlux bottom paint, it was desperately hot that day. And I started off with long pants and a long shirt to uh, keep it off of me and a respirator. And I shed the long shirt. And then I shed the short shirt under it, and then I shed the respirator and the long pants, and ended up doing that in a pair of shorts and uh, barefaced. And 
I got in the truck after that. I was soaked, absolutely soaked with sweat, too. I got in the truck and realized I was high as a kite. Mm, never been <laughs> yeah. the same since. Yep. No, no doubt about it. I was high when I come out of there. It wasn't terrible when I was doing it. I knew it. That's why they make respirators. Why they make respirators and, uh, yep. uh, you know, fools like me, apparently. So, again, wear your re- life jacket as well. So, Nick, message this morning. We have, a, uh, we have a Jersey boy here who has a question for you. Oh, nice. Hey, Nick, this is Bob Adler, now a Mainer, although I am, will forever be from away, but emigrated here from New Jersey. I wondered, uh, which I, high school? I, we are Essex County Vocational School in Newark. Huh. Newark. I will be yeah. there tomorrow <laughs> in Newark. Really? Yeah. Excellent. Stop in. We're here till about noon. We have a half a day. It's one of our last days. You guys actually caught me on, if this was next Tuesday, we'd be out of here. But you caught me on one of our second to last days, which is great. So I'm glad I got to do it. We're great. still in school well, today, You can Nick? stop in anytime. Anytime you want to stop in, just feel free and uh, just ask for Mr. Zara and introduce yourself. That's all. Thanks. And we're still finishing up the school year at Essex Tech this, this morning, are we, Nick? We're finishing up, and I actually just got paged up to the auditorium, so I, I appreciate the call and the time, and you know we're available anytime now that we have each other's email addresses and everything. We'll keep in touch, and yep. maybe, which would be nice, you guys could possibly visit if you're ever in the area on next year's boat project. Great. Great, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll Facebook some of those pictures, yeah. no doubt about it, because we can. Uh, just boat talk at Facebook, so it's easy. Yeah. Thank All you, right, Nick. Sounds awesome. No, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. How's the weather up in Maine? Oh, it ain't perfect today, but it's spring in Maine, and it's just glorious no matter what. The bugs ain't bad, and, and it's coming on to the 4th of July. It's the place to be. It's the way life should be, Nick, says right on the sign right. of the turnpike. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> thanks a lot, All right, guys. Enjoy your, enjoy your day. Bye. Now, we, we sort of let Nick go there. He said he was paged. I, I was attempted uh, to keep him for one more minute uh, to confirm this little story. Uh, when I met Nick, he was uh, being a security guard for a um, polo match, which was happening in Jersey City that day. Uh, a French champagne named Verve Chiclot, I believe it is. Uh, Clicot. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, High school French. Sponsored this uh, polo match in Jersey City. Uh, Sunday, we're down there on the boat. The owner's coming, and, and uh, we got the boat all cleaned up, trying to get them aboard and all straightened out and get out of town ourselves. Well, they ferried over from New York, from the, from the foot of Manhattan to the Liberty Landing in Jersey City, uh, right to our dock. Um, six or eight uh, large ferries with all the fashion Easters who were to attend the polo match, all came from Manhattan up our dock, dressed to kill. And there were 700 of them, we found out, more or less, on those ferries. Uh, More than half of them were women. Um, They skewed very young. They were very well-dressed. The dresses, the hats, the feathers, the the, the hats with feathers, the feathers with with no hats underneath them. it was just in, an incredible parade, and it went on for boatload after boatload. And uh, then they came back the other way to confirm that such a thing happened, and, and the parade was just stunning. And you have never seen so many spike heels walk up and down a dock with a, uh, about a two-foot uh, tide ramp there. And, and uh, it was just quite something else. Uh, makeup uh, on men and women. Uh, the men were quite something, too, I must say. 
Um, but uh, Nick was uh, uh, pulling security on that and, again, uh, hung out with him as we watched this endless parade of beautiful people, including some of the most beautiful women on the planet. They were there to be photographed at the uh, polo match and dressed. Wow. And, so I uh, suspect they had l less interest in the polo match than in being there for the photographers? In the parade, yes. I believe so. They claimed the polo match was great fun, but um, as you're trying to push a cart full of goods uh, uh, gear through the crowd, you get to uh, stand next <coughs> to this woman and, and say to her, dear, you know those heels are not right for this dock. And she's wearing six-inch purple heels, you know, and she's, oh, could you carry me down or take me? Oh, I'm working, dear. There's a conflict of interest here. Uh, you know. I'm going to try a segue off of that. Go, go. Because uh, one of the things that we learned from uh, a recent boat building demonstration down in, in Belfast Harbor was how critical it is to plan ahead. <laughs> and it struck me that what you're describing is the absence of planning ahead. The, uh, we, we had this boat build on the 4th, and there's actually a time-lapse video available on our Facebook page. So it took about three hours which the teacher was kind of upset about, but tying in a little bit with Giffy's comments earlier, one of the things that slowed him down is there were a bunch of kids watching, and he got them all involved in ex teaching them as he was doing it, what he was doing, and then giving them the opportunity to work on the boat he was building. Um, one of them actually was the one who took the boat out in the water, and while there was still, there was a little bit of leak, not enough to be dangerous, not enough to keep his mom from allowing him, you know, to stay out there a little bit. And one of the nice things we were able to do was give him the, the boat at the end of the uh, session that he's going to finish up polyurethane, maybe paint. He's, he wasn't sure what he was mm. going to do. Yeah. And I think that's one of, the, one of the fun things about this challenge is the teams build them and then they take them home. Yeah, you get to spoil kids for life. Well, he was just, pretty good at rowing. Just, just like Mike and me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's pretty good at rowing. That's, yeah. That's now, let's, uh, let's go back to Yo and his bottom paint, though. I uh, went sideways with the uh, shop, shop teacher down in New Jersey there. Um, the water-based bottom paint is interesting stuff. There are lots of formulations of bottom paint, as well as uh, uh, or similar to pressure-treated lumber. Um, for our own good, they have taken some of the best poisons away. Um, and that's arguably uh, a good thing. Now, the water-based bottom paint, the uh, regular stuff, I think a lot of uh, your bottom paste paint choice depends on how your boat is used. Giffy spoke of lobster fishermen liking the, the water-based bottom paint. Those boats move all the time. Yeah. They rarely sit Absolutely. still, and Absolutely. they're moving fast. Yeah. Uh, that's not a boat that sits on the mooring and is used a couple of times all summer. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, that paint is going to look different on the bottom of that lobster boat or on the bottom of the, the small sailboat that just sat there. And, and the other thing that makes a difference is what is the prevailing wind? All right. Southwest uh, in general, but, uh, yeah. you know, you as know it why? applies to your boat, tell me. Why do I say that? Tell me. Huh? Tell why? us, please. Yes. Well, we because the bottom that gets the sun... Is going to be a lot dirtier than the bottom that doesn't. There you go. 
A little uh, 20-foot wooden sailing runabout, uh, a little uh, uh, centerboard sloop uh, with the water-based bottom paint on. Doesn't get used very much. Boy, that stuff comes off in the springtime. It, uh, you can scrape almost all of it right back off. It's not stuck on that boat very well at all. It's kind of dirty. Um, again, it hasn't really sailed very much, though, compared to that other lobster boat. So I'm kind of split I on I don't know. The myself. people that guys who use it, all I can say is they like it. Mm-hmm. I still wouldn't drink it or uh, wear it on my skin to <laughs> and excess. I'm stubborn. Or, you know, yeah. uh, breathe its vapors either. Uh, and again, with uh, any of the chemistry around a boat, you've got to be careful of protecting yourself and then disposing of it in the right way, which is not throwing it overboard or in the ditch or, you know, uh, literally yeah, some of that right. stuff don't belong in the dump either. Right. Well, there is there is uh, alternatives to that, too. There's a company that I know of called ePaint that makes a, a, a bottom paint that doesn't use copper, so copper-free. It um, this Giffy will appreciate this because it uses sunlight. Whenever sunlight hits it, it uh, breaks down the surface enough to make a little bit of hydrogen peroxide, which we know is a... Uh, Fairly it, harmless, yeah. It, fairly harmless to the environment, but it does kill uh, bacteria and small plants and so forth. So the sunny side of the boat actually gets a little bit more protection yeah, from this yeah. paint than the... Uh, Life is a learning process. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of this uh, boat chemistry doesn't stand up to sunlight. Epoxy doesn't want to be uh, uh, have too much ultraviolet on it. No. So does some of the 5200 caulk, for instance, breaks down in sunlight. Uh, just for instance, uh, you know... Uh, Oh, it's a good good time to be a mariner and a boat builder, though. With uh, we always know where you are, and you got some great chemistry to work with. Three yeah. M products. I mean, and we they go still make mistakes. Too. Power tools. Oh, what do you computers, mean? Computers. Uh, <laughs> Not me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, now let's uh, let's go back to Belfast. And again, yeah, we'll go back to Belfast, and then we got to get on the Sea Princess one more time oh, before we leave right. here this yeah. morning, Alan. Yeah. Um, the Belfast Harbor Fest is more than just a boat building contest. What else is going to be happening? And, and when? The, the well, as Rob mentioned, there uh, it starts on the evening of the ninth, Friday, the nineteenth of August, and continues through until the twenty-first. Since people like to eat good food in Maine, um, there are a number of opportunities for eating well. Um, but there are going to be lots of kids' activities, concerts. Uh, there, there's going to actually on Sunday morning on the 21st, there's going to be a cardboard boat race. Yes. Now, as opposed to the the boat building competition where you were actually making the boat in that under four hour time period on Saturday the 20th, folks bring cardboard boats, but they have to sail them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can be an adventure. Yeah, you learn a lot uh, about I, I water pressure. I want to pressure. give you an idea you should consider. I think you should have some little program work into it sometime or other where people learn to row correctly. <laughs> and when, when people... Learn to row and enjoy rowing. It's something that'll stay with you all your life. I see so many people that don't know how to row. Then on top of it, they go and buy something that isn't fit to go rowing in anyhow. <laughs> that that reminds me of uh, one of the events. I'm glad you, I'm glad you mentioned it because there's a terrific organization in Belfast called Come Boating. And they will, um, people will have the opportunity to go out 
on on boats, and yeah. I think these are eight person boats. Yeah, yeah. rank novices can. Well, I'm right spoiled. On. I I got a very very good peapod, and I love to row it. So, are you talking about feathering your oars also while you row? All that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. People they kill more seagulls than, <laughs> than, than you get shake a stick at. And an oar is nothing but a lever, yeah. basically to push against the water. But it's got to be managed like any lever. It can be used in, in, or misused in a bunch of different ways. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. But and, and there's, some, there's some other more important practical reasons for that. Because I see people with boats that when they get in trouble with that boat and the weather changes, is they ain't going anywhere. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. We've all been there. Yeah. 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 Now, um, I want to throw one more thing in about New York before we talk about the um, uh, Boat Talk cruise. While I was down to the Liberty Land and there watching the parade of uh, well-dressed uh, polo uh, match society people uh, walk by, got to hang out with some of the people from the uh, fire department in New York, Marine Unit, and the uh, fire department, I'm sorry, the police department in New York, uh, Marine people were there as well. And I asked both of those guys, the, uh, the water cop and the water fireman, I said, in terms of New York City um, Police Department, how do the water cops stack up in the cool department compared to meter maids, homicide detectives, you know? And the, and the guy puffed up. He says, well, we're the coolest. And I said, <laughs> as you should be. He says, pretty good duty. I said, except for pulling. And he says, hey, you know, uh, I'm on my fourth plane crash the other day. Um, you know, uh, dead bodies. All, but, yeah, it's pretty cool working on the water. Now, I asked the same question to the fire department guy. Coolest end of the fire department? He says, no. I said, what? He says, no. He says, he says, and I did it for 20 years, man, but I got, I got on the water because my body was breaking down. But he says, there is nothing, nothing on the planet cooler than running through New York City at full speed on a big red fire engine. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And he might be right, you know. Yeah. So anyway, cool uh, is why we do boats. And again, uh, the only thing cooler would be a big red fire engine to the streets the of Manhattan. Cruise. Yeah, so boat, sirens and bells going. Boat yeah. talk cruise, go for it, Alan. Uh, it's happening on June twenty fifth. That's a Saturday. Starts at six o'clock. The boat leaves at six o'clock. But we're going to show up a little beforehand, hopefully. For about a three-hour cruise up some sound. A three-hour yeah. cruise, and, uh, and one you that. will come back from as well. <laughs> Everybody has come back so far. And smile. Everybody smiles all the time and and after as well. And it's it pretty is going fun to be time. on the Sea Princess yeah. that we were talking about earlier. The boat How many people do you have to turn away? It uh, almost always, I believe it's uh, never not sold out. Yeah, we uh, sell yeah. tickets in advance, so most, uh, most yeah, people just... Yeah. Show up with their ticket. Too early in the season. You just just June hang 25th? on a couple oh, no. more months. Summer no. will be here. We purposely have it have it then because uh, we can go until nine o'clock and still have daylight. <clears throat> Because yeah. that's when the long days are. Also, the boat is uh, not only well-designed uh, uh, hull-wise, but it is fully covered. Um, and even on an inclement afternoon, it is very pleasant inside the Sea Princess. There is a very large engine box. We cover it with a uh, uh, bunch of food. Everybody a brings a potluck. Uh, yeah, a potluck, yeah. yes. Finger and food. And kids are free. Not good. Kids under 12 are free. They can drive the boat. Um, 
It's a pretty, it's a pretty easy going. I don't going, know if we can say key. they can drive the boat in case the Coast Guard. Well, you know, um, it's a pretty low, <laughs> uh, low key, easy going, uh, yeah. well fed, uh, fun for everyone. Yeah, nobody's ever had a bad time. That it's Osprey also nest. a benefit for this here radio station. Yes, it's a benefit for this here radio station. Because of that, we can mention the price, which we don't always do on non-commercial radio, but it's only $20, and your kid's under 12. You can laugh at this again. They're, yes, they're free for those three hours, Yep, and we'll feed them. Yep, just give us a call here uh, to the front desk. The number is 469-6600, and uh, we'll sign you up, and we'll go cruising on June 25th. Now, what are you guys plotting in the background there? Were you, uh, Did you have... Some more comments? Here's the crew in the background uh, talking other business there. What's no, the, nothing, what? sir. All right. We all set. How, well, how about the boat, uh, uh, Belfast uh, Harbor Fest Facebook page? Well, oddly enough, the Facebook page is Belfast Harbor Fest, all one word. And for more information, uh, Rob Dwelly gave me his phone number to give out on the air. Okay. So if you're at all interested in fielding a team... 207-975-1313 and we actually have an email address which again has Belfast Harbor Fest all one word at gmail.com um, we can send you PDFs of the application form and the rules and regulations so that you can chortle at them and then uh, I guess the key thing for me is we're <laughs> it piped us out boat talk out uh Belfast, uh, August no, 19th to 21st, the Harbor Festival. So stay tuned for Rich Hillsinger coming up next here with On the Wing on WERU FM Blue Hill 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor and around the world at WERU.org. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Gamble & Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising boats, and the main wind jammers for more than 30 years at 16 Lime Rock Street in Camden. GambleAndHunter.com Support for WERU also comes from Allen Insurance and Financial of Camden, helping to insure Maine boats and their people since 1866, an employee-owned company, allaninsuranceandfinancial.com or 800-439-4311. The annual Boat Talk Semi-Dinner Cruise is happening this year on June 25th. And that makes it the only six months until Christmas Boat Talk Cruise. Act now to avoid the rush.